Hi, I'm Aaron Winowski, iOS developer and founder of Musi, and you're listening to the App Guy podcast. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host. It's Paul Kemp. Uh, I do this podcast uh, because I love it and uh, it gets me around the world in introducing uh, lots of different guests. And I like anybody who can help us with our pursuits as app entrepreneurs, as uh, anyone in startups. And in fact, as someone very close to my heart, who's been providing me with a wonderful service uh, where they uh, take my podcast feed and give me lots of different re- reviews. It is an app. It's a web app. And we're going to talk to the founder of mypodcastreviews.com. His name is uh, Daniel J. Lewis. And he's here today to help us out and uh, to tell us uh, a few things about what he's been up to. So Daniel, thank you very much uh, for joining us on the App Guy podcast. Thank you, Paul. I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, well, I'm very excited because actually it's rather selfish of me. It is, uh, you know, a primary focus is getting reviews. Now, Reviews can be uh, sought on podcasting as well as, um, you know, apps. How important is it, do you think, to, to get reviews uh, for uh, apps and podcasts to actually rise up the ranks? Well, it's really important for two main factors. One is the algorithm factor and getting Apple's attention. That alone might be reason enough to get more reviews. See, when you get more reviews for your app or for a podcast in iTunes, and it uses the same kind of algorithm pretty much as for apps, the more reviews you get, the higher you will rank in searches. Because the way that Apple has designed iTunes search to work is to try to prioritize what a lot of other people are consuming too. So if you're looking for a particular kind of podcast, the one that is more highly ranked and seems to have more interactivity with it will then rank higher in that search result than a podcast or an app that's lower with fewer reviews. So getting those reviews is really important just to appear to the algorithm in iTunes, but it's also really important from the human perspective because a lot of people will look at a podcast or an app in iTunes and they'll often make a decision between two competing apps based on the number of reviews and how high the star rating is. This happens all the time, like on Amazon too, with competing products. People will often go with whatever that thing is that everyone else is buying and getting and thinking that it looks great based on the reviews. So your reviews are really important to both the system algorithms as well as the humans finding and trying to make a decision between your content or someone else's. So I'd love to get some tips because I know in this space, it's exactly the same, a podcast or an app. You ask somebody for a review, a user, you know, you've given some free content or you've given a free app and you get shot down in flames sometimes because, you know, it's like, oh no, I have to leave a review. That's too much to ask, you know, and uh, trying to get reviews is incredibly uh, challenging. Uh, what uh, advice could you give for how we can improve the, you know, the uh, amount of users that use it and give us reviews? Well, the most important thing is to make it easy for your audience. Because I'm a podcaster and I create services for podcasters and my podcast reviews is designed for podcasters. I'll approach it from that perspective. The main thing that people make as a mistake is that when they get their uh, podcast, when they're doing their podcast, they will just tell people, find us in iTunes and please rate and review. But that's not 
very actionable. You're telling people to go search for you. That's like my saying, oh yeah, find me in the phone book instead of just giving you my phone number. So what I highly recommend is when you have a domain for your podcast, like let's say it's myawesomepodcast.com, make a 301 redirect URL part of that where you just say myawesomepodcast.com slash iTunes. And that takes them to iTunes. But even more than just taking them to the page in a browser where you then have to click a button in order to launch iTunes, you can change that URL just a little bit. You'll typically see a URL that will have an ID number, the name of the podcast, and it might have some what we call URL queries or uh, parameters as part of the URL, something with a question mark, equals, and some other stuff like that. Add to the end of that URL an ampersand and then the letters LS, that stands for launch store, the equal sign, and the number one. So it's ampersand LS equals one. When you use that URL, then you put that into your own slash iTunes link. When someone enters that URL into their browser, it loads the web page so they see the podcast on the web page. It's very accessible that way. But then if they have iTunes installed or if they're on their iOS mobile device, it automatically launches iTunes or the podcast app directly to that podcast. So you've made it much easier for them to get to the podcast. So all they have to do then is just click a button to write a review. Simplifying yeah, yeah, it like great. that makes it so much easier for them. Wow, that is such a great tip. So uh, that, I'm guessing that would actually work as well in uh, apps uh, as well as podcasting and uh, just have a, uh, if I summarize that, then a 301 redirect and uh, put that thing you mentioned at the end and then that uh, automatically launches uh, iTunes. So exceptionally, because uh, then I guess it's quite easy because you just say, uh, go to the appguy.co forward slash iTunes, which I probably should set up and uh, and people can actually then re- leave a review. Uh, yeah, it's so much better than asking them to find you, especially if you have a hard to spell name for your show or for your app yeah what uh i mean there's clearly i'm wondering if uh, apple is just a tiny bit behind google in this whole thing because you know google has a very uh, i guess uh, extensive uh, algorithm you know and all the things it does and no one can really second guess it but i guess is it fair to say that apple's probably a little bit more simplistic you know maybe uh, none of us work for apple so we we really can't uh say for sure but but is it more of a case of well i'm going to give roughly 30 percent you know clout towards a review 30 percent towards uh, the amount of downloads and then 30 percent towards uh, i guess something else um you know maybe comments or something is have you got a rough kind of ballpark figure for the way they break down these uh, different factors not numbers it's very hard to measure that because it involves a lot of testing and you're working with other basically living organisms. So it's very hard to test these things. But what we have seen is that Apple rates or um, searches, when you type in a search word, it searches the title and the author tag, at least as far as podcasts are concerned. So it's not searching the description. It searches just the show title, the episode titles, and the author tags for the show overall and the individual episodes. And it does also rank higher the shows that have more momentum, like that are getting more downloads, more ratings, more reviews, more new subscriptions within the most recent few days. So if you have momentum with your podcast, then it's more likely that you'll show up higher in a search result. And I think the same thing would be said for 
the app side as well. Yeah, I'm also sure that there, there are certain people that game this whole system. And uh, it's like anything, as soon as you start to realize how it works, then there is a, an element of gaming it. I, I know on the Apple TV, every time I go into my category, you know, I see the same familiar faces in the uh, the, the store there and they, they don't relate to the uh, category. So do, do you know of, uh, you know, I mean, how good are Apple? At, do they have some kind of kill switch where they just say, no, that's being gamed. We're going to kick that out. Do they have some off switch? Not that I can tell, although as people start to abuse a particular thing, I wouldn't be surprised if they eventually deprecate it. For example, keywords. If you put keywords in the RSS feed for your podcast, those are no longer searchable with iTunes. They don't matter because too many people were stuffing their RSS feed with all of these keywords. The same thing with descriptions. People would stuff their descriptions with all of these keywords trying to rank highly in search results. Now Apple searches only the episode titles and the author tags, and I already see people abusing the author tag where it might be like My Awesome Podcast by John Smith who interviews great celebrities like Marilyn Monroe and uh, Barack Obama and Chris Brogan and, and all of these names, and they're trying to get SEO juice for those names when they're abusing that tag. And I think that Apple at some point will say, okay, this is enough. We're no longer indexing that tag either. I wish I'd uh, spoken to you about 258 episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> because, oh yeah, well, I, was, I was always told that it's good to have, um, you know, a very credible keyword rich title. And um, clearly that's not the case anymore. And I guess well, that's your, the thing with uh, apps as well, I should think. Your title, yes, is good to have those keywords, but not to stuff them. So for example, my title for, I have a clean comedy podcast. The name of the podcast is called The Ramen Noodle. Now, no one is going to search iTunes for The Ramen Noodle unless they know what they're looking for. But what we did is just added to that a hyphen to say clean comedy podcast. So that makes us more searchable for those terms, clean comedy podcast. We didn't stuff it full of all kinds of keywords to say business, internet marketing, passive income, you know, all of this other stuff that we want people to find us for. We just kept it simple. And then the individual episode titles over time are starting to build your search engine optimization. I've recently studied SEO a lot because I created a product for podcasters called SEO for Podcasters. And it's really about how to make great content that helps you to be more findable and more engaging. And it's a 10-hour long course available at theaudacitypodcast.com. So that's where a lot of this recent SEO research is coming from. I'll make sure I put links to that in the show notes, Daniel. Uh, so everyone listening should go to theappguy.co and just uh, search for 258, episode 258 with uh, Daniel J. Lewis, and you'll see uh, links to your uh, course, uh, which I, I feel like I'm going to actually uh, go and buy right now. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's unfortunately hard to wind back the clock, but you know you only learn by doing this stuff. Uh, I'd like to be—I'd like to kind of move it slightly, you know, more towards you because a lot of people listening to this are wanting to do their own thing. I wondered your story. Do, do you um, work full time, and is this a part time gig for you, or, or is it more uh, full time? Well, I do work full time, but for myself. A few years ago, I was a web designer. I'd fulfilled multiple design positions in an organization, and I was there for 10 years. I accomplished every goal that I had in that organization. And my last couple of years there, I just felt like I was drifting around with no purpose. 
and I, I felt the, the desire, the strong drive to launch into self-employment and become an entrepreneur. I just couldn't see how I could connect those things. That's when I launched my podcast about podcasting, which is called The Audacity to Podcast. And when I launched that, because I was sharing expertise and teaching people about launching and improving their own podcasts, people were asking me for help and asking to hire me to help them. And that's when the light bulb went on and I realized, hey, this is that connection point for me. This is how I can find clients for my business. So about a year later, I launched into self-employment full-time and originally had the intention of being a web designer. But since then, that's changed to be a provider and trainer in podcasting where I create products and services to help podcasters launch and improve their own podcast. Like my web app, mypodcastreviews.com is the result of that. It's the first web app I've created for this and definitely a rough process, but something that in each step of what I do, it's I'm seeing a need, either no one else is doing something or something is kind of done, but it's not done really well. And so I want to go into the space and really innovate, bring something great to the space, make it much better. So we've had some entrepreneurs listening to this show uh, who have left their corporate jobs and started out on their own as app entrepreneurs. And uh, some have arranged to join startups. Some have decided not to uh, carry or, you know, not to go into full-time employment after college and go and start their own thing. The biggest hurdle, I think, and I've been through this as well, Daniel, is leaving, uh, you know, a very stable income, a very stable employer and a very stable salary. And so maybe you could talk us through that point in your life where you had to, you know, you said you transitioned, uh, but you had at some point to hand in a notice and, and make the big jump. How did you overcome the must the must be big fear factor in going into the unknown? Oh, it, it really was. And I had a consultant I'd hired to help me to push me to say, Daniel, you need to put in your two weeks notice this Tuesday, put it in this Tuesday. He pushed me that much and it really helped me to make that jump. But from a financial perspective, I and my wife had also looked at where are we financially and we needed to make sure that we had enough money in the bank to be able to make this transition. So we had an emergency fund and I figured out that, okay, if I make absolutely no money, then this emergency fund will last us for six months or seven months, whatever it was at that point. And that really helped with making that transition so that, well, it wasn't really even a transition. It was more just a jump, a leap of faith into doing this because those first six months were difficult. I wasn't making as much as I'd hoped. I think each month I made less than $1,000 probably total monthly income, which just wasn't going to cut it. But Every little bit counted, especially as I was starting the business. So it was really important to have that savings to live off of because I knew that it would take a little while to get some momentum behind the business. And I think that's the way it is for any entrepreneur. Now with app developers, the cool thing there is you can launch your app and start making money, maybe even start making a lot of money on the side so that when you launch into that full time, you don't have to worry about a savings account. But for me, I needed the savings account as that cushion, that crutch to get us from one place to the next. Yes, yeah, always a challenging uh, question. And I love it because it took me a, you know, a few years to build up the courage to walk into my boss's office and uh, hand in uh, a 
notice and you know to a six-figure salary and it was really hard and uh, and what I'm learning from you and I, I I realized I didn't I wasn't making any money on the side before I left I just thought oh, I'll do this is be really easy and uh, uh, certainly an emergency fund was incredibly important so I've, I've learned that from from you there as well and also I guess uh, having a spouse who is uh, earning as well so it makes it slightly easier on the you know the, the household income in a way uh, and uh, I'm also guessing that you had to change your lifestyle slightly uh, to, to cut down on any uh, expenses. Well, we've always had a frugal lifestyle and we'll continue to have one. Um, my wife doesn't work. I've always told her the burden of providing for our family will always be on me. That's not your burden to bear. If you want to work, that's fine. But you don't have to. You'll, I never want you to feel like you have to. And, and she has had jobs here and there, but it's just been something she wanted to do. And I love being able to enable her to do that while I'm the one who bears that responsibility. But when we, um, when we made this jump, yeah, we had to look at things a lot more and see, okay, what can we possibly cut from our budget? How can we possibly be more frugal? The nice thing was I was leaving a nonprofit job. So my income level wasn't very high to begin with. So there wasn't much of a desperate need to have a lot of income. Again, another great lesson. And it's just nice to hear you, you know, the reason I set this podcast up was to meet people like yourself, Daniel, who have gone through, you know, a similar journey and you had to leave to start your own thing. And, uh, you, you know, you had to get the support of people ar around you. And uh, so there's, there's two things we need to do, Daniel, before we say goodbye. One is that I would love to know uh, if you have either an app idea or um, actual any pain points in your current business uh, that we could explore and maybe think of uh, a potential solution for you? <laughs> so uh, how do you want to answer that? Do you want to go, have you got an app idea or, or would you rather have um, a discussion about any particular pain points in your business? Well, I'll talk about a pain point in the app that I currently run. Well, with my podcast reviews, it's checking the international reviews for podcasts in iTunes and automatically emailing it to the users. And the big pain point there is something unfortunately outside of my control. And that is the Apple servers are not as reliable that I, as I thought they would be. What happens is when we look at the Apple servers and ping their database for information for the international podcast reviews, sometimes it will return the results that we know are, are there like the reviews from the United States store, for example. And we have to check a different server for every single store. And uh, so it comes back, returns the results. Sometimes, though, it doesn't. And it doesn't give us an error message. It doesn't do anything odd. It does nothing different from if there were just no reviews at all. So sometimes it will come back and say, no reviews found, when we know there are reviews there. So what I've had to do is make this eight-step redundant process that checks for reviews in eight different ways. It really slows down the process. It makes us hit rate limits faster with the Apple servers. And that's a major pain point that aside from Apple fixing something, I'm not sure how we could work around this. Yeah, actually, you're not the first person to talk about that. Uh, and I remember having a chat with uh, Cliff Ribado, who also actually sponsors the show. And 
uh, he was saying the same thing that you know you wouldn't believe that that, that one of the world's uh, most successful technology companies or companies overall <laughs> can have these many problems with uh, you know servers and uh, yeah. you just think it would be more reliable so uh, i i know that uh, yeah i guess you had some challenges recently with uh, pulling that uh, have you have you come up with any solutions uh, um, for a temporary fix the main thing that I'm doing right now is just that redundant system. And it's sometimes just the difference in capitalization in the URL. That's not typically supposed to make a difference, but it does make a difference with Apple's servers sometimes. And it's not like we can always capitalize it one way and that will always work. But I've just had to add more redundancies to the process to say, okay, if it doesn't find any reviews with this particular method, let's move on to the next one. The downside is that increases the overall processing time eightfold. So it slows down the process and that creates other problems. But I think that's for now, that's the best way that we can fix it is just putting in those redundancies. And it does make our app more reliable because we're checking in more different ways than any other alternative out there. But it slows it down and it, it's just frustrating having to work with something outside of my control like that. Well, we have a lot of Apple developers listening to this. So um, if anyone has a very unique solution that could uh, help you out, they should definitely get in touch with you. Uh, well, this is a show about apps. And uh, Daniel would love to know what apps, uh, one or two apps on your smartphone that you could recommend to us that would perhaps be uh, ones that maybe we've not come across before, you know, rather than the usual ones. Uh, have you got one or two apps that you tend to use in your day-to-day -day, uh, business life? Yeah, the new app that I really like is called Slack. It's a communication tool. It's a web app, a desktop app for at least OS X and eventually Windows, as well as a mobile app for Android and iOS. It's a communication tool that think of how you might have a project management tool like Basecamp or email or Asana or something like that. You have all of your tasks somewhere. But then you have to do a lot of communication back and forth, and sometimes those get lost in emails. That's where Slack comes in, and it's like a central chat room, in a sense, for teams. And you can direct message teams, you can direct message individuals, you can switch between different teams on the mobile apps as well as desktop. And it can integrate with a lot of these other services like Asana, Dropbox, Google Drive, Google Hangouts, uh, Basecamp, and many of these other platforms. So that Slack can become where you communicate. And then if you want to use an additional project management tool, that's where you manage your tasks and projects. And I think this is really great for any kind of team. I'm using it for my fellow podcasters on my own podcast network, Noodle Mix Network. I also use it with my mastermind group. And they're, any team, basically, this can be a great way to communicate. Well, again, uh, there's going to be a lot of links here because I want to make sure that we capture all this. And uh, I would uh, recommend anyone uh, go and check out uh, the Slack channels that you were talking about there. I mean, I've just started using this over the last few weeks and uh, because it was mentioned on my show a few weeks ago. And it's been great. I, I Honestly, as someone who works remotely, Slack has really opened up this 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 uh, whole new way of um, building almost like a, a belongingness and a team uh, that that uh, is away from email and uh, so much easier to communicate and ask for favors and 
And so, uh, yeah, definitely uh, go to theappguy.co and episode 258 with Daniel. I'll make sure I put links on that. Uh, uh, is there anything we didn't cover, Daniel? I'm conscious that there was a lot to talk about. Do you feel like we've missed anything out with uh, your journey or your uh, web app or uh, your review service? Well, I know we didn't really talk much about my web app, I realized. <laughs> yeah, which ironically, this is the App Guy podcast. So we, let's, let's squeeze it in at the end. I'd love to know your journey with building this web app. Yeah, my podcast reviews is a vision that was inspired by another tool I was using several years ago that would go and check for international reviews. And here's the thing. We already talked about the benefit that reviews provide. And getting more reviews helps a lot. And one way that you can get more reviews is by knowing the reviews you have and thanking those people who leave reviews for your show, especially as a podcaster where you have that ability to communicate with your users. So you can thank people who leave reviews. And just that alone makes other people want to leave reviews because people love hearing their name mentioned in podcasts. So if you say, thank you to John from the United Kingdom for reviewing my podcast, then someone from the United States thinks, oh, hey, I want my name mentioned in the podcast too. I'm going to go write a review. That alone increases your reviews. So knowing your reviews allows you to do that. And it's also really encouraging to see that you have listeners in other countries. Like, Paul, I'm looking at your podcast. And did you have any idea that you had a review from the Netherlands for your podcast? <laughs> well, only because I think, did I receive that today in your in the email that I get monthly from you? So, uh, but the, yeah, that's great. The Netherlands. Yeah. Yeah. So otherwise you might not have ever known. And for a podcaster to check these reviews is a really long process to do it manually. You have to switch your store in iTunes to each different country, search for your podcast again. There was a tool a couple years ago for OS X that would do this, but it was only for OS X. It was an app. It was very slow. It was very manual. You still had to manually refresh every podcast. So I had the idea of creating a web app that would do this and do this automatically for you. So you wouldn't have to think about logging in and refreshing your show, but it would just automatically email you your international reviews. And I realized that I personally don't have the coding skills to make this app. So I put out a job on Elance, found a great team of developers in India. And I've been working with them over the last, boy, I think it's uh, a year now that we've been working together on this app. It's ended up costing me a lot more than I expected, but that's because my vision of the app keeps growing and making it even better and better. And so we've integrated features into it and as I envision things and test things and hear feedback from our users, we create this app to be even better and better with more features to help people get their reviews or get more reviews and rank better in iTunes. And it then it's innovation. I didn't invent this idea, but I'm innovating on an idea already existing out there. And I think making it a lot more accessible for people because plenty of podcasters use Linux or use Windows, so they can't install an OS X app that app is now dead anyway. It only sometimes works, whereas my podcast reviews continues to work. So this was something I thought, I'm going to create this in this space to fill this need. And there's a free plan as well as premium plans for it because I want podcasters to be able to grow and I want podcasters to see my branding on every page of the app at the bottom of the page. It says 
created by Daniel J. Lewis from the Audacity Podcast. And so it's also helping to build my own personal brand of creating products and services for podcasters. Well, Daniel is exceptional. And anything that can help us compete uh, against, you know, the almighty uh, podcasters such as BBC that come out with, uh, you know, so many podcasts and have the clout of the uh, multi-billion pound network behind them. And then NPR radio, I know they, they produce a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, it's it's hard. It's, it's a little bit like the App Store um, in the early days where the uh, it was a lot easier to be an indie app developer. And then these big powerhouses start to build up big slush funds for marketing and, and it becomes a lot harder and it becomes more sort of a professional, you know, and, and uh, monopoly type thing. Um, but you've you've really encouraged me, Daniel. I'm almost tempted. I'm going through, um, basically, I've received something from you th- uh, today, uh, which is, um, I can read it here. It's an email. I, and everyone should get this if, you, if you're doing a podcast. My podcast reviews. It says, hi, Paul. Thanks for trying my podcast reviews. Here's the nine reviews that you got. And I've got uh, one from uh, David W7011 from USA. He says, uh, uh, full of great stuff. Uh, Bernard, Fra- this is lovely. Bernard Frailing. Uh, Paul, I really appreciate what you're doing. Your podcast is one of the most important audio publications in the apps market available. Uh, I didn't pay these guys to say this. <laughs> Maybe I should start um, doing this more often, uh, either at the beginning or the end of the show. Yeah, now those two people uh, are thrilled that, whoa, he just mentioned me on his podcast. Oh, how can I forget car hyphen zero dollar sign uh, for saying great? Or uh, <laughs> the the Naitai. Uh, it's obviously we need some way of pronouncing these people. Uh, Hong Kong got one from Hong Kong here. So this is great stuff. Um, what a wonderful product. How best can we reach out and connect with you, Daniel? Well, the best way would be go to my main website, and that would be theaudacitytopodcast.com. I've got my phone number, my email there, and it also links to the other products and services that I've created for podcasters. Well, I have to say, Daniel, it's been a wonderful journey. Obviously, I'm so thrilled that you could come on, talk us through, you know, the whole point where you left your job and inspire us. So I think anyone listening to this, if they, if you have been inspired to do something rather radical, please let us know. We, you know, we feel great about this stuff. Thanks for joining us on uh, today's show and, uh, you know, all the best with um, what's going on there. Thank you very much, Paul. It was a great pleasure.